This is a part of service that we get to uh, continue our worship with uh, our Lord through our tithes and offerings. And I just want to say welcome to all those who streaming on our live feed and those in our fellowship hall, welcome. But in the Bible, in the books of Kings and Chronicles, it talks about the, how the kings used to give offerings to the Lord. And he used to give, when they gave, they made a party. They made it exciting. And they were giving with excitement, but also with a heart of gratitude. They were thankful for what God was doing in their lives. So as we give today, I would just suggest that we would search something that we are thankful for in our lives. Because he's done so much more and beyond of what we are capable of doing. But with that in mind, let's, be, let's bow our heads. Lord, I just thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for all that you are doing in our lives. Lord, I thank you for my brothers, my sisters, and this family that we call New Hope. And I'm just thankful that they come and they choose to worship you in this church called New Hope Hilo. And I, I am just thankful. But with that, Lord, I just lift up this offering to you for, for your guidance and how we take care of this offering and use it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tom. All right. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Yeah? Are we in a good mood today? Okay, we're going to be put in a real good mood today. Because we are going to play Living a Balanced Life. How many of you remember Jenga? You guys remember Jenga? Yeah? This is giant Jenga. Because we serve a giant God. So we have giant Jenga. So I'm going to call upon my volunteers that I talk. We, we go through the, the New Hope Church directory, and then we pull out these names. So I'm going to call upon Russell. Yeah, Russell. Jonathan. Where's my friend Jonathan? And I was like, okay, we need somebody to give these guys a run for their money. Heidi Laxina. <laughs> See, I didn't want to tell you guys who you're going up against until this moment. So today, Pastor Sheldon will be talking about living a balanced life, you know, and how many of us need to balance work, family, spiritual, spiritual time with God, you know, so this is what this is going to represent. So no pressure, but this is your life. Come close. Don't be afraid of Heidi. Come on, you guys. So this represents your life, Okay. So let's go over the rules. No taking from the top, okay? You guys are going to have one minute or until the tower falls, at which time the game ends. You are all going to go at once. There's no taking turns. Yeah, it's a free-for-all, but carefully. And the last one is you have to hold on to all your pieces. So as you take a piece out, hold on to it. Okay, because we're going to count your pieces. Whoever has the most wins at the end. And if you drop a piece on the table or on the floor, then that's it. You got to leave it there, okay? But whoever has the most at the end wins. And a saibo or a, a smoothie from our well, which I guess I should let them know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They know. They know. Okay, so you guys clear on the rules. Any questions? Because we're going to try and balance life, aren't we? Okay. Are we ready upstairs? All right, I like that. Okay, start the counter. Ready, set, go. 
All right, so hold on. Hold on to your peace now. Hold on. No fighting over. <laughs> okay, no. I should have put another rule in. No stealing. Okay, here we go. That's life. And you know, you got to give it to the women because we balance kids, shopping bags, groceries, car keys. Uh-oh, so sorry, Lee, you got to leave it. All right, who's in the lead? So far, Heidi is in the lead. What is going on here? Hey, no fun. You guys. Yeah. All right. No. Competitiveness. Blocking. I saw the defense. The best offense is good defense. All right, I got it. Look at that. It's still there, though. I can't believe that it's still. Oh, no dropping of the pieces. All right, who's got, who's got the most pieces? Oh my goodness, do we even have to ask? How many you got? You got four, you got five. <laughs> okay, I guess we have to say, I saw somebody stealing. I saw you guys fight. Russell, give it up for Russell who followed. The, so, Later on, you can go to the well and get your acai, okay? You balance life well. Thank you guys so much for being good sports. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm just gonna take some of this down. Oh, you get him. Wow. I was cheering for Heidi. Just for the record, I was cheering for you. But did you win? I mean, you... Technically, technically. Technically, she, technically, she, technically. Just saying, because in my eyes, you are always a winner. I don't know if you're applauding that or like, well, all I know is this. You need to be skilled at trying to keep this thing in balance. In fact, can we just say thank you to those, Russell and Jonathan and Heidi. Like, I'm nervous right now. I, I, I feel nervous uh, watching this thing take place because I'm thinking, what if it fell on someone's toe and then there's liability? And so, uh, although fun, I think we all want to live a balanced life. And you know what is interesting? We're created to, to balance. You know, when we think of uh, like the chair that you're sitting on, there are four legs to keep it strong and balanced. A stool has three legs, but the way God created us is two legs and equilibrium that he, he created us to be in balance. And, and sometimes we fall. It happens when we lose our balance. He created us in that kind of way, and we all, I believe, want to live a balanced life. And what that means is we want to balance our time. We want to balance our energy, our sleep time. We want to make sure we spend time with one another or our children or our spouse. We want to have that kind of balanced life financially, you know, we want to make sure that we're paying our bills or we're saving money or we're, we're uh, doing the things that we would want to do and, and not going to debt. So when it comes to living a balanced life, who teaches us that? Who, who teaches us how to live a balanced life? Because our school education doesn't teach us how to live a balanced life. School will teach us certain things and give us education and, and give us some, type of, uh, some kind of wisdom. But when it comes to living a life, now that's more complex because we don't just automatically live a balanced life. 
Now, God thought of everything from beginning to end. He sees everything from beginning to end. In this series that we're in, God's mission for me is a personal mission. God gave each and every one of us a unique mission in this world. That's why we're saying it's God's mission for me. It's a personal mission from God that he wants us to live a balanced life. Why? So that we can be effective in the mission that he has for us. And not only for us, he says, you know, I'm going to create you and you're going, to, you're going to have a relationship with me, but it's not just for you to have a relationship with me. It's so that you can also build relationships with other people in the hopes that they build a relationship with me. See, God's mission for us is bigger than us. It's bigger than our relationship with God. It has to do with all the people that have yet to have a relationship with God. And God gives us that assignment. That's his mission for us. But in order for us to be effective, we also have to live this life in a balanced kind of way. Otherwise, it's all over the place. Now, if you're new, if this is your first time, we don't do this every week. We should. We should do this every week. This is, this is a cool game. But God is going to teach us how we can live a balanced life. And we always get into the word of God because it's not someone's opinion. It comes from the word of God. We want to learn from him, which is the best wisdom in the world, how we can live a balanced life. So if this is your first time, we have some notes. We have uh, scriptures that will pop up on the screen and some points. Uh, but also, if you have the church app, you can take that out also because that will help you to follow along as we talk about living a balanced life. And I think we all try. You know, we try our very best to, to balance out our life. I was just talking to a friend of mine earlier, and he had so, uh, shoulder surgery. And I was just asking him how he's doing, prayed for him. And he said, you know, one of the most difficult things is not dealing with the pain. He said, it's walking. I said, what? This is your shoulder. He says, yeah, you don't realize that when you walk, you're using two hands to walk to keep you in balance. But now I have this shoulder injury, and now when I'm walking, it's harder. And I thought, isn't that interesting that we don't think about what balances our physical body, much less think about what balances our life, like our spiritual wellness, our, our, uh, the way we think, or even our, our, our soul or our emotions. Like, what keeps that in check? And how do we know how we're doing? How do we know our life is balanced? A man by the name of Richard Browning, he, ha he owns the, the company uh, Gravity Industries. And he came up with this jet pack to make him fly. He's like called the real Iron Man, like a modern day Iron Man, you know, that superhero from Marvel. And he developed these jet packs so that he could fly. The problem was when he's starting off, he would put it on his legs and on his arms. And when he would uh, take off, the moment he became airborne, his brain switches to, where is my footing? So he, he said, automatically, automatically, even if you're not trying, your legs are trying to find the balance. But because the, 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 the jet engine or the jet pack is on his legs, it's messing up his, his, his balance to fly so he changed the way he was going to set up his jetpack. In fact, we have a quick video that he starts off trying with the four and he, he can't get it to work correctly. So he changed it to be on his arms and then from his legs to just on his back. So it created like a tripod of pressure. 
So now because of that balance, he's able to fly more naturally and in a consistent kind of way. And he has better control. Why? Because he has balance. When we allow God to balance our life, now we have consistency. We have, we have a better vision for our life. God has a better way of directing us and we have a better control over life than life controlling us. And if we think about the balance that God gives to us, his balance, his ways are always perfect. Now, our circumstances may not be perfect. We're not perfect. But God's principles are perfect. So we're going to look at some ways and to help us to balance out our life. By the way, if you, if you want one of those jet packs, it's only $430,000. I think we all want to live a balanced life. But what does that look like and why is it so important to live a balanced life. But, but the Bible teaches us that we're able to, and here's the first way if you want to take some notes, let Jesus balance our life. It's not a religious thing. It's not saying, oh, so does that mean I have to come to church every single week? That's a part of it. I mean, attending church is great. Learning together in a setting like this is great. But when Jesus balances out our life, it's not just on Sunday. It's every day of the week. It's every opportunity that God gives to us to balance out our life. One of the teachers of religious law came up to Jesus and said, hey, out of all the commandments, which, is the, which one is the most important? Tell me which one is the most important. And so Jesus replies in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, verses 29 through 31. Jesus answered him and he said, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, first of all, let's get something straight. There is only one God. Let's just start there, he says. Let's just start there because no sense I tell you all these other rules if you think there are more than one God. There is only one God. And because there's only one God, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. Oh, and the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. He said, there's nothing else greater than that. He said, you want, to, you want to start off your life with balance? This is where you start. Know that there's one God. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He gives us a way to balance out our life. And everything else becomes balanced. Why? Because we have a a foundation that is balanced by the Lord. He starts off with your heart. He says, you're going to have to love God with all of your heart. It's that the seat of our emotions, the, the seat of our sensibilities, our affections, our emotions, our desires, the appetites that we have or the passion that we have. In other words, it's like with all of your emotion, everything that you have, emotionally, you're going to love God with rather than letting our emotions control us. When we're able to love God emotionally, and we're able to keep our emotions in check, let Jesus balance that out, then now we're, we're healthier emotionally. Then he says, love me with all of your, your heart, your soul, the soul part of us, which is different than our body. Our soul is our spirit. It will far outlast our body. And because of that spirit that we have with God, that spirit is not dissolved by death. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have eternal life. He said, you're going to have to love me with all of your soul, that spirit. 
Something's going to have to keep that in balance. Or our mind, he says, love me with all your heart, soul, your mind, which is our understanding, how we think, our thoughts. And then he said, with all of your strength. He gave us a physical body. As the Bible tells us, our body is a, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So he says, you take care of that temple because that's where the Holy Spirit dwells. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to be your temple. That's your body. I look at it this way because I have to think of, you know, how am I going to measure this? Like, how do I know? How do I know how I'm doing with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, when you drive a car on your dashboard, you see different gauges. There's a gas gauge, oil gauge, temperature, speedometer. You have all of these different gauges that we periodically check to make sure that what's happening under the hood is correct. That if we're running out of gas, we hit half tank, we're going to refill. Or a quarter tank, we're going to re- or some of you, one eighth. Or some, you wait till the light comes on. Or you just die out. But what that gas gauge does is it tells you how you're doing, how your car is doing. Your oil light, well, you, you shouldn't wait till your oil light comes on. We usually change every 3,000 miles or every three months. You do that so that you don't break down, so that everything doesn't fall apart. And so when we take a look at these areas in our life, those four areas, it's just like the gauges to our, our car. And if I look at it, I look at it this way, that let's just say you're empty here, and then you're full here. Let's just say this is your gas gauge, or your, in this case, it'll be our heart. So you're, you're empty here, you're full here. But then you also have not just your, you know, your heart, but you also have your soul. S-O-U-L. I lost my voice, Heidi, cheering for you. I give you my all, everything I got, even my voice. <laughs> so empty and then full. So even your soul, if you're like, you've sensing your spirit. Have you ever felt like distant from God? Yeah, that's that gauge of our, our spirit, our soul saying, got to get closer to God. Sometimes I even say to this, I'll say this to myself. I'll say, something's just not right. Like something's not working. I don't, I don't, I don't sense, you know, or feel good. I don't know what it is. Like I can't put my finger on it. It's usually one of these areas. And if we're here with, let's just say, our mind. Oops, sorry. Uh, the way we think that we're going to have to have something to help us to gather our thoughts. Or sometimes we have so many thoughts that we're stressing out. We're thinking of everything. We're trying to solve problems. We're thinking of our children, our parents. We have to help people with this, or, or we made a commitment to this one organization. And, and we have so many things on our mind that we can't even rest. And our mind is being depleted of loving God. We can't even love him with our thoughts. We don't even think about God. The only time we think about God is when we're about to go to sleep or when everything falls apart. And he says, that's what it means to love me with all of your mind. Like, let me be about your thoughts. Let me help you with your thoughts. And then when it comes to our strength, this one is a tough one. Because with our strength, it has to do with our physical body. And the older we get, the tougher it is to take care of our physical body. It's a difficult thing. You know, we live in a world where food has all kinds of things in it. And so sometimes we don't even look at what we're eating and we just keep going. 
And then we go to the doctor, and the doctor says, okay, you need to do this, you need to do this. And usually the two things that the doctor says is exercise and eating. And those are some areas that we struggle with. It's a difficult thing, but God says, no, when, when you have these things in check, when you're able to balance these things out, it's going to help you with every other area in life. So if we think about what Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he's given us a way to have that, that foundation so that we can balance everything else out after that. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, Jesus gives us another command Verses 18 through 20, Jesus speaks to his disciples, and he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's saying, I know your life from beginning to end. How about you stick with me because I'll stick with you. I will always be by your side, but you're not always going to be by my side. And sometimes we say, Jesus, he's the, he's the answer. He's, he's going to solve all of my problems. He can. But for some reason, he doesn't. For some of us, Jesus isn't our answer. You know what Jesus is to us? He's the problem. Because we don't want to listen and change. So he becomes a problem because when he speaks to us or we read something in the Bible, we know it's true. We know we need to do these things. We, need, we know we need to change, but it's difficult. And so Jesus doesn't become our answer. He becomes our problem. But he also says, when you're able to teach these things, and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, understand that I have complete authority over everything. So can I have authority over your life? Because I'm going to balance you out. Will you still have problems? Oh, yes, you, you and I will. But the problems that we have with Jesus is so much greater or less greater of pain than just having problems without Christ. Because when Jesus is in our life, and we go through difficulties, he's there with us, with us every step of the way, sometimes not solving the problem because it's not the problem that he's trying to solve. He's trying to teach us something with the problem. Sometimes problems are a blessing from God in disguise. We just don't realize it until we see God's hand on everything in time past. We just have to trust him and say, you, you take over my life. You have complete authority. And you guide my life. You, you direct my life. You balance out my life. And when he does that, we're able to now make disciples. You know, disciples aren't found. They're made. And we see that word disciple, and sometimes we think it's a church word, but really a, a disciple is a learner. Someone who learns. And he says, go make disciples. Baptize them into and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is what we're doing today. We have water baptism at, at Coconut Island at 1.30. Now, you might be thinking, well, but, I, I, you know, I'm a believer. Am I supposed to be baptized? When does that work? How does that work? Well, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the best decision that you'll ever make. But he also says, now, be baptized. And what baptism signifies is, 
that it's a dying of the old ways and coming up brand new. But it's, but it's also a, a, a time for us to celebrate what God is doing for the repentance of sins or the, the changing of our ways to, to say to God, I am serious about my walk with you and I'm letting everybody know. It's a public confession. And something of righteousness takes place. When Jesus was baptized, in fact, John the Baptist, he was saying, I, I, sh- I shouldn't be baptizing you, Lord. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, no, permit it to be so to fulfill all righteousness. And when we're baptized, something of righteousness takes place. It's just something that happens that we cannot explain. You can't plan for. It's just God does something of righteousness. Now, you may have been, uh, you, you, you may have received Jesus last week, two days ago, or maybe today. And you're thinking, when do I get baptized? Or some of you, maybe you, you, were, you, you became a Christian 20 years ago and you received Jesus 20 years ago and you're saying, you know, I never got baptized, but I don't want to get baptized now because people are going to say, what, you were never baptized? I can tell you this, in all my years doing baptisms, for those who made the decision to be baptized after 20 years, not one person says, oh, you wasn't baptized. You know what they say? Way to go. Way to go. Now, your closest friends may say, well, how come you never get baptized? That's your closest friends. But people cheer you on. Why? Because you're making a public declaration of your belief in Jesus. So when God speaks it and that excuse comes in or the reason, let it go. Obey him and watch what he does. That's why he was saying this to his disciples. He wasn't saying, here's a suggestion I want to give to you. He said, no, I am commanding you. Why did he command us? Because we will have all the excuses in the world. So it's not about how we feel or if we're ready. He's always ready. It doesn't matter if I'm ready or not to be baptized. If I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's all I need for qualification. Because he's always ready. He waits with anticipation for our obedience to him because he wants to pour out his blessings on us. And then he says, now teach them. Teach them everything that I've commanded you. You know, we always say this here at at this church, that everything we do is discipleship. Everything. Everything we go through, every, every area we serve in is a discipleship program. We're always being discipled by God. Even when we're not in church, we're still being discipled by God. Wherever we may go, we may travel, we may move, we may be uh, 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 driving. In fact, I always look at it this way, that God is always teaching us something wherever we are. But normally, he teaches us the, probably the greatest things in, in a way that we could understand. And this brings us to the second point, to get connected with other believers. And here's why I say this. Because we're the body of Christ, God is going to teach us, thank you, God is going to teach us how to live a life for him by connecting with one another. Think about how God does this. Think about how God brings us together as believers. That we have the commonality of being one with Christ. And believe it or not, as Christians, we do fight. We do disagree. We have fallouts in relationships. It's a part of our humanity, but it's also a part of our discipleship that God is constantly teaching us how to be more like him. That's why we have Rooted and Growing. That's why we have our, our, our seniors who meet on Friday mornings. They have a Bible study. We have our Wednesday morning women's group that meet, 
our men's ministry meet on Saturday mornings also. We have our youth ministries, hula ministry. We have these various groups so that we can connect with other believers. God created us to connect with one another. It's Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. He created us for community to, to connect with one another. We, we learn best in a community group with other people. He disciples us. But usually we'll have a certain area in how God teaches us the most. And for me, my group where I learn about my character, my integrity, uh, my attitude, my countenance, my honesty, it's not here in church. It's not in a Bible study. It's not even while I'm doing devotions with a group of guys. Although those things are great. You know where God teaches me about all those things? On the basketball court. It's, it's on the basketball court. And if you're sports if you play sports and it gets intense, that's when your character is tested, your integrity, your, 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 your personality or your, how you treat people, your honesty. Like when the ball is going out of bounds and you tip it and nobody else knows, but you know, are you able to say no, it's out on me? No, 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 I hit it last. No, no, I, I felt it. Can you do that? That's, that's the test. It's right there on the basketball court. Now, you may have your basketball court. What is your basketball court? Is it driving? Is that where God disciples you? Is that where God speaks to you? When someone in front of you are driving the actual speed limit. And you're like, this guy's so slow. He's driving so slow. Or is it at work where everybody else is talking about that one person and you're included in it and God is speaking to you and saying, no, 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 no. This is now gossip. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for this person, Lord. So we need information. And he says, no, no, no. You, you, you know what's happening. And, and God will disciple us. He, everything we do is discipleship. He's always teaching us. See, when we connect with one another, now we have that, that support, that, that encouragement. As the Bible tells us that two are better than one, that one friend can help another. When one falls, we can help each other up. That's why we gather together. You know, when we first started live streaming uh, on the internet, the hope and the goal and the heart behind it and the vision was so that if you're sick or if you're not able to come to church, maybe you're in, even in the hospital or you may be bedridden for a little while, you can still stay connected to your home church through the internet and it can be live. You, you can view the services from beginning to end. But for some people, and not speaking about you guys who are online right now, it's they would say, oh, I don't have to come to church anymore because it's online. So they say, I can be at home and watch. I say, this ain't on the football game. This is, this is the, the church is not, the church is when we gather together physically. Now, I know there's online church and things like that, and, and, and churches try their very best to try to, you know, how do you bridge that gap together? But that's the difference between being here live and watching online is people. It's connecting. It's building each other up. You may come to church in this kind of way and say good morning to someone or, or when we pray together, you know, moments like that. It's because we're here physically together that it does something to us as the body of Christ that we just cannot receive online. It's almost like going to a live football game 
Right now it's football season. I don't know if your team is playing. Sorry, I just probably distracted you because you're trying not to look at the score during this time. But if you do look at the score by accident and you see the Detroit Lions score, just let me know. <laughs> but that's the difference between going to a live game and watching football on TV. You can still see the game, but there's something of a different dynamic when you're there live. I've spoken to so many people who have gone through an NFL game and compared it to TV. They said nothing like being there live. Oh, it's easier to watch on TV because of all the cameras. But when you're there live and your team scores a touchdown, oh, you go crazy because you're in that environment. And I thought, that's just like church. That's the environment that we're in. When, when, when we praise God together, when we're victorious in him, when he does something that he deserves glory, we all cheer him on. We applaud him. We welcome his presence. We worship him. Why? Because it's the body of Christ live here. Because we're being connected with one another. God created us that way. Why? Because it balances out our life rather than isolating ourselves away from people. He says, no, I created you for community. It's a part of it. You're going to sharpen one another. But you're also going to, uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 tells us to examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. You know what the Bible is saying? We got to examine ourselves periodically. And when we're with one another, we're able to ask each other questions. In fact, I was just talking to a friend of mine, and we're talking about health, you know, those gauges. And all they said to me was, so how's your rest time? How's your rest time? And I said, I got to get better at that. I got to get better at how many hours I sleep. Because it affects our health. But I get that because I'm connected with people. And when people love us, they're going to challenge us. They're going to talk to us. They're going to try and help us. But that only happens when we're connected with other people in community. You can bounce things off of each other. You can think about things together. And you're, you're able to at least progress because someone else is there with you along the journey. You know, fitness experts, they report that one of the best ways to cement an exercise habit, which takes about six weeks is to do it with a friend. That if you're going to make a decision to exercise or you know, get healthy, to, to have a partner. Have someone that can be there with you along the journey. And then when you develop the habit, after you get that habit, now you're able to once in a while just kind of, you, you have that discipline now. But in the beginning, you do it with a friend, they're there to keep you going. You're, you're motivating one another, you're encouraging one another. Why? Because we're built that way. God built us not to be alone by ourselves. In the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 40, it says, Let us examine our ways and test them and see, and let us return to the Lord. We're going to examine ourselves. We're going to examine our ways. We're going to test them. Well, let us return to the Lord. See, we're not ever going to live a balanced life unless we return to the Lord. We can't just apply principles. It has to be the Lord. It has to be our relationship with him. That's why we let Jesus balance out our life, not just principles. It'll be Jesus. It's a person. And he's going to be, he's going to be involved in our life, and we're going to be involved with what he's doing. And you're going to have to do this together now. He says you've got to be connected. 
That's why we have our SALT conference coming up. It's one way for us to stay connected, to say, God, you gave me some passion, some desires. How do I get connected? And you may be thinking to yourself, I don't, you know, I don't know, I want to serve, I just don't have the time. But what SALT conference does is it helps us to remember that as the church, that we exist to be strengthened by God so that we can add flavor to the earth. God is going to use us. And he's going to use us in the the passions that we have. He gave those passions to us to be used for him. And now we can be effective in the world. And let him do that. He's going to speak it, follow him. And then the last thing we get to learn how to balance is to live beyond self. And it's a hard thing to do, live beyond self. When I first got this thing called an iPhone, when when it came out, you know, I waited a little while because usually you want to see how it is and if it's, if it's going to work for you, if it's going to serve your purposes in life. But the moment we get these things is the moment it starts to consume us and our self. It comes back to self. And sometimes we have to get away from self so that we can think about other people. But this is how God designed us and, and, and how he works. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, he says that a generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You know that only with God, that as we're thinking of other people, he's blessing us. It only works with, with the things of God. It only works with how God wired us up. It, it, it's the way he created us to be. That while we're thinking of other people, he's refreshing us. But it doesn't work the other way around. It doesn't work where I'm just all about myself and now other people are being blessed. It's the other way around. He says, no, no, while you're blessing others, I'll refresh you. He said, one of, the, one of the, the greatest things we can do as believers is to serve other people because we're designed that way. So when we're, when we're functioning in how we're designed, now we're, we're in alignment with God and now things start to click and things start to get better. Even in our relationships, like when we're serving one another, it changes our entire family. Before I used to think as a husband that if my marriage is falling apart, okay, how can I get them to now serve me? Because it's not working. Honey, you need to change. Heidi, you need to get better at these things. Heidi, you need to, and I'm putting it all on everyone else rather than saying, wait a minute, how do I serve them? How can I serve my family? Because as I serve my family, then God's going to refresh me greater than everyone do what I say. God's way is the best way. He knows how we operate the best. And so now he says, when you learn these things, now you're going to pass them on. You're going to serve other people. In fact, Paul the apostle, someone who came to know the Lord, he was an expert of the law. He knew the law, the laws of God, the ways of God. But then he came into a relationship with Jesus, and Jesus teaches him now to not just go by law, but move by my spirit. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to throw the law out, Paul, in your life. What I'm going to do is I'm going to fulfill it through the way you live now. So now Paul is learning from Jesus, and now Paul wants to teach someone else. He wants to now live beyond self. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he's speaking to the younger man, Timothy, and teaching him. He says, you know, Timothy, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, Timothy, you teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. 
You know, Paul is saying to Timothy, if you really want to solidify these truths in your, li- your life, don't just keep it and hang on to it. You start teaching others also. You now just start discipling someone else. You pour out into someone else's life. How many of us God has poured into our lives and we have yet to pour out into someone else's life? He pours in, not so that it stays there. Yeah, but God, I don't have my life together yet. I'm still hurting. I'm still in pain. I'm still suffering. He's saying, right, because you're holding everything in. You know, when we went to Israel, there's a place called the Dead Sea. The reason why it's called dead is because there's no outlet. It's the lowest place on earth. Fresh water can go there. Rain can fall there. But if there's no outlet then all the minerals stay there and all the water evaporates. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. There's so many minerals and salt. It's about 30%, 35% salt or the contents. So nothing can live there. There's no outlet. It doesn't matter how much fresh water goes in. If there's no outlet, it stays dead. And what God does is he says it's the same. I want to give you that as a... As a physical representation of what takes place in life that if you only have all of this and you're saying but God I'm not ready yet I, I don't have my act together uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still lost I'm still trying to find myself he says okay that's fine but we need an outlet you need to pour out into someone else's life start serving someone start serving somewhere I'm, I'm going to pour out of your life and it, there may be some minerals there some things attached to it there may be some things but that, that's okay it's going to be my spirit that moves through your life but if there's no outlet, it doesn't matter how much I pour into your life, it still remains dead. I need you now to have an outlet. And I would pray that as God speaks, that God would speak something to us and how we can love on someone else, how we can serve someone else or even serve in church to, to let God pour out of your life. It changes everything about us. Why? Because that's how, I, that's how God created us. And he, he, he does it in such a way that for some reason, or I, I don't know how he does it. I'm, I'm sure it's a supernatural thing. But now he begins to speak in how to balance out our life because now we're pouring out of our life. In, in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, it's, uh, Paul says, if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. God has good teaching. He gives us his word, the best wisdom in the world. And he says, you've been doing these things, you've been following these things, but now if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, and saying this to us, you're going to be a worthy servant of Christ. Because it's Christ Jesus that's going to be nourishing because it's his message, and we get to be a part of that. You know, and we live beyond ourselves, we're able to pass on what we know, and when we're passing on what we know and what we've learned by God, he's now gonna also refresh us to pass on even more, that we serve, not because of us, we serve for him. It's beyond us, it's greater than us. We serve because we wanna expand his kingdom. And you know, a growing church is a healthy church. A growing church, a church that continues to reach out to people is a healthy church, which means it's not about new hope. It's about us as the body of Christ that as we continue to reach out to people and invite them, or if they go to another church or they're thinking about going to another church, encourage them. 
to at least attend church, to be connected to the body of Christ because it strengthens us all as one church. And as we do that, as we're, as we're reaching out to other people, he continues to expand his kingdom, which shows health. We can look around and say, but we have people. No, no, you never judge the success or health of a church by how many people are inside the doors. It's always by how many people are outside who have yet to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you know one person who doesn't know Jesus, we still have work to do. Because for that person, and I believe for us and for God, that one person matters. And so now we can love on people in the hopes that they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want to close with this. I'm going to invite Jamie to the keyboard. In John chapter 17, if you ever want to hear the heart of Christ, read the entire chapter of John 17. It's the prayer of Jesus. And in John chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus is praying to the Father. And Jesus says, he says, you know, I, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. You know why we want to live a balanced life? It's so that we can bring God glory here on earth. Complete everything he asked us to do. We want to bring him glory. It's not a religious thing or something of saying, look at me. It's, it's living a life that's well balanced so that people find him, that we bring glory to him, that in everything we do, we glorify God. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment and pray together. You can put away your notes and your Bible. But we're going to pray for those who have never said yes to Jesus. Because in order for us to glorify God, we're going to need him. And if you're here today and you're saying, you know, I've never received Jesus. I, 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 I've been learning from him. I've, I've, I'm trying my best to, to understand better. But I, I've never said yes to him. Well, I'm going to say a prayer and as I say this prayer, you can repeat after me, just include your heart. And it's a prayer of salvation. What that means is when you say this prayer, that you're speaking to the Lord and you're, you're giving him your life in exchange for his. And now our relationship will be built. And it's an eternal relationship. One that, that shows us the way to live and then to end up in the perfect place that God has created for us called heaven. And so as I say this prayer and you repeat after me, know that God hears your voice and hears our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave to give me eternal life. I trust you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. And I thank you for this new life. In Jesus' name I pray. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the very first time, I want to pray over you. Would you just lift the hand real briefly, just boldly say, I received Jesus, and all of heaven rejoices because you did. Okay, God bless you and you. Yeah, God sees you. Anybody else right here? Both of you back there. God sees you right here, right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. All of you, yeah, God sees you too. God sees you. God knows God sees you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Okay. Okay, you too, yeah. Okay, you can put your hands down. Lord, we're so grateful 
that you have paid the price for our sins so that we could have eternal life. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. I pray for all of these who said yes to you, Lord, that it wouldn't just be a decision that was made and then that's it, but that they would understand that that was the most important decision that they will ever make in their life because it's an eternal one and one that you've been waiting for. I pray your blessing over them that as they begin this walk with you, their relationship with you, that they will remember how valuable they are to you and how much you love them. I pray for all of us, Lord, as we, as the church, as we head out of these doors, that we will live our life as best as possible to glorify you. Help us to live a balanced life, Lord. It's not just to balance out our life. It's so that we can glorify you in everything that we do. But we're going to need your spirit. So thank you for filling us afresh with who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name, and we all said together, amen.